The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're going to be discussing GMOs. And this is an issue that's very dear to my heart. Food is our fuel and an important step in our health journey. So to know that some food might not be the right food or can actually make us ill is really distressing to me. We're talking today with Diana Reeves, who's a Connecticut mom turned activist. And she founded GMO Free USA in response to a failed initiative to label genetically engineered food in her home state in May 2012. So, Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Rebecca. It's an honor to, he- to be here. Um, I, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your um, organization and um, how you got started in doing this. So what exactly does your organization do? So GMO Free USA is a 501c3 nonprofit. We received nonprofit status from the IRS in July of 2014. And what we're about is food transparency and food justice. And our mission is to educate people so that they can make informed choices about what they eat and what they feed their families. And we do quite a lot of education. We reach many millions of people a week on social media. Um, and we've been on the ground educating on um, two tours with Neil Young uh, across the United States and up and down the West Coast, some on the East Coast as well. We were at 22 concert venues and talked to thousands of people during a two, two months of touring with him, basically. Um, and we just believe that people not only have a right to know what's in their food, but that they need to know because there are many studies that have been done on animals that suggest that these foods and the toxic chemicals that are associated with them are hazardous to our health and that the long-term toxicity is, you know, really where the risk is. You're not going to take a bite and die, but does, does that mean that you're not going to be made sick if you eat them over the long haul? Um, it's similar to what happens with cigarettes. If you did a study on people after 90 days of smoking, um, you wouldn't find too many people very sick, but over the long haul, um, you know, this is what the risk is. So how did you get involved in doing this? Um, Well, my family was diagnosed with autoimmune disease, and basically we were diagnosed back to back to back. There's four out of five of us that have celiac disease and three out of five that have Hashimoto's autoimmune hypothyroidism as well. And basically food makes us sick. And so I just, uh, my previous life, I was a CPA. I was an auditor, actually. I audited um, Fortune 250 companies, and when you audit, you learn to dig and get to the truth. And uh, I think those skills 
pretty much stayed with me in life. And when we all started to get sick, I started to think, you know, this is kind of strange that we're all being diagnosed back to back and that there must be some type of common environmental triggers. So I went looking for the answers. And, you know, as I said, food, food makes us sick. We can't do gluten. We can't do dairy. We can't do soy. And we can't do GMOs. And I found out basically the hard way that GMOs um, definitely affect my health. Um, I had been on a clean diet for a long while, and I developed chronic fatigue, and I couldn't understand why I was sick. And it wasn't just the fatigue. My doctors did all kinds of blood work, and everything was normal. And my stomach was so bloated at 51 years old or 52, whatever I was, I looked like I was five months pregnant, which wasn't physically possible. And I would wake up every morning, and I had this horrible taste in my mouth, like my gut was rotting. And I had um, brain fog, and the skin on my hands was very, very thin. It was kind of like premature aging and some other digestive problems I won't go into. Um, but um, it was a mess. And, you know, for a year I sat in a chair and worked on the issue here, believe it or not, and couldn't figure out what was wrong. And three people suggested that I check my vitamins. And I laughed at them, and they said, there could be GMOs in your vitamins. And I, I really did laugh at them, and I absolutely um, thought that that was ridiculous for a long while. And then I finally said, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I started making some phone calls, and I found out that two of the vitamins I was taking um, were sourced with genetically engineered. One was corn, the other was soy. And I swapped them out for equivalent formulas that were made by um, a company that sourced their ingredients from Scotland so that they had an affidavit that said that they were, you know, non-GMO. And within three weeks, um, my symptoms basically cleared up and I was pretty much given a new lease on life. And, you know, I was very skeptical, but uh, I learned my lesson the hard way. So I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. And um, it's just given me the passion to reach as many people and educate them because I know there are a lot of people out there that are sick and they have no idea where to look for the answers. Well, and there's a lot of people like you that are think they're doing the right thing and still not getting better. And so that's, you know, why I started doing the show is to help people figure out what that is, because a lot of people are getting that, you know, their blood work is normal and everything's normal. And there's so much going on that isn't being talked about. So I'm glad that you're part of bringing this to light and educating people. And, and I guess there's probably a lot of people who maybe have never heard of this. So can you tell us what genetically modified food is? Um, sure. So um, most of the genetically engineered foods on the market today fall into two categories. Um, one of them is transgenic and the other is intragenic. And transgenic um, GMOs are created using completely artificial traits. Um, they can take DNA from any species and insert it into another organism. And these genes, they'll tell you, oh, they're found in nature, but they're actually what is called a synthetic analog of a natural compound. And so if you were to actually go in and look at the patents, that's basically how they create something that's unique by having this synthetic analog of a natural compound. So these genes don't occur in nature. They never do, and they're created in a lab. Um, and intragenic is also... Um, something that creates a novel um, genetic combination and they don't these novel combinations also don't exist in nature you know they rearrange or add or turn off genes and um, they use things like cauliflower mosaic virus as a promoter virus so there are some people that say that um, genetic engineering is actually like a virus infection 
Um, and there is concern. I spoke to Belinda Martineau not that long ago. She was the co-developer. Um, she's a genetic engineer of the first commercialized genetically engineered crop, which was the flavor saver tomato. And she told me she feeds her family organic now because she knows way too much and she doesn't work on GMOs anymore. She's on the other side of the fence. And based on a request actually that came from the USDA, I believe at the time, she did some research and found that DNA ends up in these um, genetically engineered foods that isn't supposed to be there. So, um, yeah, so it's it's not what they tell you that it's the same as conventional plant breeding. It's just done in the lab. It's totally different. There's genes okay. from um, soil bacteria and E. coli bacteria and all kinds of other things in these foods that don't occur in nature. Well, we we talked last week with uh, Judy Mikovits, who has brought light the XMVR retrovirus, and she said there was some connection with GMOs there. So it's interesting. I'm doing these two shows back to back. So if anybody wants more information about that, they can listen to last week's show. But you know, you're talking about that. You know, these things are being done in a lab, and there is an argument for GMOs that um, you know, in nature, there is natural plant propagation where things do modify, um, and of course with what you've just said that obviously isn't what's happening here because plants probably wouldn't modify with you know the viruses or the other things that they're using no they wouldn't and as i said these are synthetic analogs of natural compounds so these aren't even the genes that are found in nature Okay, which can explain why they're affecting us so much. Um, so ex- exactly what what happens to people? You said over time you notice that you're not feeling well. Um, and I know you, for you, it was the digestion and um, the autoimmunity. Is there other things that people have noticed or that has been shown to be an issue? Um, well, I guess um, it comes from different directions. But, but yes, I mean, there are organ issues. There are studies. um, We have aggregated um, over 2,000 studies that suggest harmful effects from GMOs and the related agrochemical. They're listed on our website right now. Unfortunately, they aren't in a searchable database, so they're not as user-friendly as they will be once the database is complete, but we are working on that. Um, And these studies have found, you know, all kinds of things. Um, So they've found um, problems with organs, you know, so there's... um, adverse effects on male reproduction organs and there's adverse effects on the immune system. There's immune system disturbances and blood biochemistry disturbances and like liver and kidney toxicity. Um, And, you know, as we just discussed, um, digestive system functioning and also um, higher blood glucose levels. So, you know, there's suggestions that... um, People are having, you know, trouble that may lead to diabetes and um, all kinds of other, you know, um, peripheral problems. I guess Roundup, which is the active um, or the primary herbicide that these crops have been made tolerant to, most of the genetically engineered crops are what they call Roundup-ready or herbicide-tolerant. The active ingredient is glyphosate, and glyphosate uh, has been found to be genotoxic, It's linked to birth defects, um, neurotoxic. It's um, been linked to endocrine disruption. There's a study that shows that it binds to um, estrogen receptors and stimulates the growth of breast cancer cells. So there's a whole, you know, huge magnitude of impacts um, which potentially are linked back to these foods. 
Well, and you you listed a lot of the most um, common issues that people are not only afraid of, but um, that do happen, diabetes, cancer, um, you know, fertility issues, all these things that we're seeing a rise of and we're not really Mm -hmm. understanding why. And uh, it does sound like this could definitely be the link because we don't, um, you know, what are... I guess, what are the most common GMO foods? They must be things that we're all consuming a lot of. Yeah, they are actually. So, you know, just about over 90% of the corn and the soy and the cotton, which is used for cottonseed oil, which appears in things, you know, like junk food, but you wouldn't notice um, like potato chips and all kinds of other foods, you know, processed foods, canola, um, sugar from sugar beets. Uh, most of the sugar beets are, you know, 90 8% last we heard are genetically engineered, but um, that's changing now because Hershey has actually come out and said that, you know, due to consumer demand, they will no longer be using sugar from genetically engineered sugar beets. So there is some progress going on reversing this, but not enough just yet. Um, some of the papaya, actually papaya that comes out of Hawaii, unless it's um, organic, it's genetically engineered. And then there's um, squash and there's now potatoes and apples, which have been created using RNAi technology, um, RNA interference um, is what they've used to create these things that are non-browning, basically, and have like fewer bruising and black spots. And that technology is also problematic. There are studies that link um, this RNAi technology to um, uh, autoimmune disease in vertebrates, which is a bit worrying. And they're marketing these foods to children now because they think children are the best place to put apples that don't turn brown, you know, in their lunch boxes. So, but the list is growing. There's also alfalfa, which is for animal feed. And um, another consideration is that the meat of animals that consume genetically engineered foods may also contain fragments of these transgenes in the gen- from the genetically engineered foods and the milk as well. There was a study done in Europe, I think, last year, and they found about 33% of the meats that were tested, they did find fragments of genetically engineered DNA in the meat. So... There's not enough studies, actually, that have been, you know, done to date. We really need more research, but there are lots of concerns. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there are a lot of concerns because I I think anybody listening can, um, unless they're very aware, say that they're probably eating one of those things that that you mentioned. Um, They're all common things. Um, So we are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk more about this. We're speaking today with Diana Reeves, who is the founder of the GMOFreeUSA.com website and association, and we're bringing more awareness to GMOs and what this means for your health and your family. If you have any questions about the show, you can call in or send us an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com or um, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments about this and we'll be back shortly after this break the largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the voice america network the dr bob martin show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments each week you'll hear the answers that dr bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. 
Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together, with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, and welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. I'm here today with Diana Reeves, who's the founder of GMO Free USA, which is an association bringing awareness to genetically um, engineered or modified foods. Now, Diana, before um, the break, you know, we were talking about what these foods are. Now, um, are there any regulations set in place to protect us from this? Or what? what's kind of the thought process going on there? Well, there really is very little regulation. Um, the FDA has a voluntary consultation process, which is what they call it, um, where the companies are um, that are submitting them for approval are required to do their own voluntary safety assessment and, you know, present something to the USDA that says, checked out just fine, it's safe. Um, and then... Um, or that to the FDA, sorry. And then the USDA tries to determine if a GE crop will become a weed, and that's basically their only concern. Um, and the, U- the EPA will look at some of the GMOs if they have pesticide-like qualities, like there's corn right now and cotton um, that, ha- that are what you call plant-incorporated pesticides. The pesticides are actually inserted into the DNA of the plant, and so the EPA will look at those because they're considered to be plant-incorporated pesticides. Um, so basically when an insect bites into um, corn that has Bt toxin insecticide in the DNA, the corn kills the insect. And so, yeah, it makes you wonder what they might be doing to us as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they claim that it has no impact on us, but um, the studies, you know, show that there are um, issues in the animal health studies. And so you would think that, you know, they could potentially be causing problems with us as well. And so nearly all of the data that's provided by the companies um, that make the GMOs and profit from their sale, um, you know, there's really nothing there that can make any claim about safety. They do basically 90-day assessments, which, you know, we know aren't long enough to um, really look into any type of chronic long-term toxicity. Um, And in a 90-day study, there could be potential early signs of problems with toxicity, but they dismiss them as insignificant. It's 
pretty scary what you said about the corn because a lot of people, you know, if they're not buying organic, they say, well, I just, I wash my food. And so they assume with their little pesticide wash that they're getting all of that off. But obviously that's not the case anymore. So there's, no, it um, isn't. And, yeah. um, and in SmartStacks corn, there are, believe it or not, up to six different types of BT toxin insecticides engineered into the corn cells. And so it's expressed by the corn at a level that's 1,500 to 2,000 times higher than what's allowed in organic farming because organic farming allows BT toxin, which is a soil bacteria, to be sprayed topically. And it's only been used, I guess the statistics show, only 57% of organic farmers report ever having used BT toxin. It's used as a last resort, and it breaks down in sunlight, and it washes off. But when you have a level of 1,500 to 2,000 times that, expressed by the plant during its entire life cycle and you can't wash it off you have to say that that's not anything at all like what it you know what's being done with organic farming and plus it's once again it's a synthetic version of it so yeah this is pretty scary now what happens with these crops being grown is that disrupting our ecosystem in some way like what's that doing there um, there are a lot of problems with soil health now, and you know, there are a lot of studies that show that um, there's toxicity to non-target organisms and, you know, earthworms and all kinds of other things that affect our ecosystem, um, such as the bees and the butterflies. And, you know, almost every GMO seed is coated with neonicotinoid insecticides. And there was a recent study by the USDA that showed, they looked at soy, actually, and they showed that it really wasn't making a hill of beans difference. Um, the only thing it's doing is putting poison out there, which is neurotoxic, which is once again linked to colony collapse disorder because those neonics are absorbed by the plant. And so they're, and when the, the seeds are planted, they actually make their way into the air. So they're having an impact on our bees and our butterflies. And there's all kinds of problems with um, glyphosate destroying the habitat of the monarch butterfly. All well, the milkweed is gone, so our monarchs, you know, have been really struggling um, to the point where they're um, considered for an endangered species um, classification. So, you know, it's it's pretty ugly, really. And if you see, like if you look at the soil health, um, from what we hear, farmers are having to use increasing amounts of synthetic fertilizers because over time glyphosate, which is, you know, the primary herbicide used with these crops, um, it was first or second patented as a chelator. No, I take that back. The first patent by Stouffer Chemicals, in the 1980s, the first patent on glyphosate was as a chelator. It was used to clean commercial pipes and boilers. And so what it's doing is chelating things out of the soil that are vital to soil health and to plant health. And they're having to use increasing amounts of, you know, synthetic um, fertilizers to compensate. And if you saw side-by-side fields, you can actually see the difference. It's, it's visible. Well, isn't one of the arguments for GMO foods that we have to use less and less pesticides? And and that is an absolute, um, that's a false um, (laughs) statement. It's something that's propaganda that's promoted by the industry. Um, And, you know, that was initially, in some cases, that was actually the case. But that was only the pesticides, if you looked at the pesticides that are applied topically and don't consider the fact that every seed is now coated with neonicotinoids. So, um, you know, for now, it's not only the neonicotinoids, the increased use of herbicide because the weeds have become resistant, you know, at, at a very alarming 
um, level right now. Farmers are really needing to use more and different, stronger herbicides to compensate. And also the fact that this BT corn, which is supposed to be killing like the corn rootworm, um, is failing because the insects are developing resistance. So now you have pesticide in the corn, herbicide on the corn, and you also have additional insecticides sprayed on the corn to kill the bugs that are developing resistance and the neonicotinoids that are, you know, being expressed by the plant because the seeds are treated. So the whole package is, you know, definitely resulting in an increase in the use of pesticides. That, you know, that's pretty scary, especially when you're talking about the butterflies and the bees. There's a few years ago, my mom actually had to pollinate her own garden because there wasn't enough bees around. Someone had to show her how to do that. You know, it's just bringing... that as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't think we realize this crisis that we're in. And I know in Europe that, you know, there was a wave of, of they were burning um, crops, like GMO crops. Um, and so there must, you know, the argument in North America, I think, is that there isn't studies showing that it's dangerous. But I don't understand why these other Western countries would would do that. And then it's still here in North America. Um, it seems, yeah, that Europe is, is much more astute about these things. And, you know, yeah. maybe it's because Monsanto is, you know, an American company and then they have more, you know, pull and manipulative um, ability in this country because, you know, basically with all the lobbying and all the money in politics, um, they really do have quite a lot to say. And so in Europe, um, they have a lot of concerns about GMOs. And there are many, many countries in Europe now that have actually refused to grow them. They're opting out. Um, and, you know, some of the reasons they cite are health concerns, um, environmental concerns because of the chemicals. Um, and the other problem is that it puts these farmers in a very bad place because farmers aren't allowed to save their seeds because of the patents. And so they get locked into buying them year after year. And, you know, that's a very, very unhealthy state, you know, for the food system to be in where farmers are basically enslaved to these companies because of the patents. Which doesn't make any sense because, you know, you um, I, if from my understanding, traditionally they would save their seeds and then just use those in the next year. So it kind of seems like there's this huge monopoly over something that's actually quite dangerous. It, it really pretty, is. Farmers have been yeah. saving seeds since the beginning of time, and now suddenly they're not allowed to. I mean, that's, you know, not acceptable. So um, I want to talk about the glyphosate or the Roundup a little bit. Um, you know, we've touched on that, um, you know, being a pesticide. And I know that, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy. People say it's safe and, you know, it should be fine for us to use. But didn't um, California recently list it as a toxic chemical? Um, California is in the process of evaluating whether they want to list it under Proposition 65 as a carcinogen. Um, and, you know, there is um, the World Health Organization's report by their IARC, which is their Cancer Review Committee, um, that found and or declared actually that glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen. They say that it causes cancer in laboratory animals and probably causes cancer in people too. And I have um, my own personal story about that, um, which I guess I, I can share that with you if, if you're interested in hearing sure. it. Yeah, sure. Um, that would be great. Um, but um, it's not a nice story. And, you know, I'm going to leave it to you and the listeners to 
determine what you know what they think of this. But um, we lost our first child to cancer, and the doctors. He was diagnosed at about age two, and the doctors said that he was likely born with what he had. Um, he had a very very rare form of cancer. It was a fibrosarcoma, which isn't so rare, but it was right smack in the middle of his brain, and there's hardly any connective tissue in the brain, and that's what the fibrosarcoma is: cancer of the connective tissue. So they searched high and low, you know, for a primary site elsewhere in his body, and there was none, and they were very puzzled because they told us that there were only 37 diagnosed cases in the history of modern medicine of a primary fibrosarcoma in the brain. And so as a mother, of course, you beat yourself up and you say, what could I have done? Children, babies aren't born with cancer. And for years and years and years, I was never able to come up with anything that I might have done. And I focused, you know, on, at the time, we focused on um, doing everything humanly possible to try and save his life. And, you know, sadly, we weren't able to do that even with the best that medicine had, you know, at the time. Um, But years later, this is about two years later, I was actually in London and I met a scientist who was on a team of um, scientists that did a two-year feeding study on rats. And... They had four different groups in the study, um, and one of the groups was fed no GMOs, but all they had was um, environmentally relevant levels of Roundup in their drinking water. And, you know, the other groups had, you know, no GMOs, no Roundup was one group, and then one group was Roundup with no, uh, one group was GMOs with no Roundup, and the other was Roundup sprayed GMOs. So there were four groups. And I asked, what types of cancer did you find? Because the study only was allowed to publish that they found tumors because it was designed as a toxicity study and the criteria for a cancer study um, is much more rigorous. You know, the protocols are different and they didn't meet those protocols so they couldn't disclose what types of cancer. So um, I asked, what types of cancer did you find in the group of rats that had just the environmentally relevant levels of Roundup in their drinking water? And they told me there was only one type of cancer and it was fibrosarcoma. And very, very early in my pregnancy. Okay. Um, um, during yeah. my first trimester, I was spraying weeds with Roundup and the nozzle exploded and it went all over my hands. And the scientist said, now, don't beat yourself up. You know, there's other factors. You know, it's not necessarily the case. But I've since found out that I have a genetic mutation, which is called the MTHFR, and my body doesn't detox properly. So I will just leave you to your own conclusions as to whether, you know, there's a cause and effect there. Um, you know, it's a, a pretty powerful story, and, and we've talked a little bit on these shows about genetics, and, and um, uh, next month we're going to talk more about it so people can understand what exactly that means. But it's, um, you know, with how toxic Roundup is, is just with what you've said so far, um, it's, a, it, it's pretty powerful to, to hear that connection there and you know what struck me too was when you talked about it being in drinking water which is also pretty scary as part of that study right that even if you're eating organic etc um it can be in the water and uh yeah hard to control so we do have to take a break and and when we come back we're going to talk more about um what you can do to protect your family um, from this since, you know, it is um, GMOs are everywhere and the Roundup is everywhere. So if you have any questions about this show, you can call in or you can email it at nantacalgary at gmail.com or uh, message us on Facebook or Twitter. We are talking today with Diana Reeves, who's a founder of the association GMO Free USA. We'll be back shortly.
one to live a healthy, vibrant life. With so many toxins in our world, it becomes an uphill battle. Inflammation is the premise of all disease and comes from four sources of toxins. With the proper understanding of toxins as well as proper detoxification and nutrition, disease can be avoided. Tune in to Whole Healthy Living with Sharon Brennan and learn how you can live a clean, whole, and healthy life in a toxic world. Start your journey Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, and welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're talking about um, genetically modified or engineered organisms. We're speaking today with Diana Reeves, who's the founder of the association GMO Free USA. And Diana, before the break, we talked about your own personal story with GMOs linking, well, the Roundup or the glyphosate to um, your, your child's cancer. And I guess there's, there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this or who are now um, probably scared if they've never thought of this before and wondering what, what they can do to protect their family. So, yeah, so glyphosate is problematic because it's so ubiquitous. I mean, it's the, um, I guess, the most used herbicide ever in the world in the history of, you know, farming and whatnot. So it's being used on genetically engineered crops, and it's also being used both in the U.S. and in Canada as a desiccant on other crops that are not genetically engineered. And so I learned um, within the last month, actually, that it's being used on asparagus. And who would ever think, but it's used, you know, not only for weed control, but it's used as a desiccant to dry the crops down before they harvest it. And now we're starting to see some, like, um, grain processors actually reject crops that have been dried with Roundup or glyphosate herbicides um, because they're saying the quality is inferior, but it's sprayed on a whole host of things like most of the grains like oats and barley and rye, and um, it's also sprayed on sugar cane and to dry it down, and it's also sprayed on 
um, peas and beans and lentils, and, you know, it's just way, way um, out there. It's just so ubiquitous. So the best thing that you really can do for your family is to buy as much organic as you can. And the funny thing is that I've been reacting to asparagus, and it's hard to find organic asparagus. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was just um, kind of a surprise to me to find out that asparagus potentially is sprayed. Um, and maybe that's the reason that I'm not doing well with asparagus now, you know, because some people are more sensitive than others, and I obviously am one of those more sensitive people. So the other thing is, you know, to buy non-GMO foods. Um, best you can, we have the Butterfly logo, which is a non-GMO project um, that, you know, verifies that there is no genetically engineered content in something. They allow up to nine-tenths of one percent contamination, which is the same standard that's used in the EU. Um, but we have done some food testing, and so we found that this, you know, not only is, are the GMOs surviving into the processed foods, but the Roundup is making its way in as well. And we found a level of glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, in Fruit Loops that's high enough to kill your good gut bacteria because the second patent on Roundup um, I take it back again. The third, I'm having trouble keeping track today. <laughs> the third patent was actually as an antibiotic, as an antimicrobial antibiotic. And it, there's a study that shows that it kills off the good gut bacteria in chickens, you know. So um, if it's killing off chickens' good gut bacteria at that level of 0.075 parts per million, um, which is a very, very minute level, um, it's likely doing the same thing to us, and that could explain why many people are having problems not only with their digestive system but also with depression because there's a whole um, system, you know, that's linked into your um, psychological health as well, you know, from mm. your gut bacteria. Yeah. And one of the things we suggest is that people take probiotics to try and rebalance that out. Um, you know, live strains of probiotics are really important these days. So, yeah. Okay. So um, how safe is the organic food? I mean, I hear some people, you know, I've had farmers telling me they can't be organic because everybody around them sprays. So, um, you know, is it hard for organic farmers to do what they do? You know, it really is a shame that organic farmers aren't getting support because organic farmers need to be protected, A, from genetic contamination, which is pollen drift, and B, from pesticide drift. And the whole focus of the agricultural systems, you know, in the U.S. and I think in Canada as well, really, you know, are subsidizing these genetically engineered factory farms, you know. So um, it's a shame that they're not getting more support. But in Oregon this year, um, there is a big push to try and overturn, you know, this seed law, which um, basically says that you can't regulate at the county level or the local level what's grown where um, and that they can grow whatever they want at will. And so there are efforts, you know, around the country cropping up. There's also another one in Colorado that would require, you know, that um, the crops grown in a certain county cannot be genetically engineered. So I think it is hard for farmers, but I think they're doing a good job considering. And um, I think, you know, if there are any pesticides found on the organic crops, it could also be, you know, from contamination during shipment you know, or storage, whatever, in the grocery stores. But organic really is the best we have. So, um, And there, there are studies that show that when families switch their diet from conventional to organic, the level of pesticides in their bodies, in their urine, drops very, very dramatically. So, 
it's very which worth is pretty, doing if you can. pretty important, um, you know, unless they have gene mutation like you, I spend me, I suppose, <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, yep. you know, they might have some trouble and need some, some help with that. But, um, um, you know, I, I think there's one of the comments I get when I talk about this with my patients is um, people in smaller towns, they do have trouble getting organic. Um, you know, they're just, they're, I guess the market's not there. It's not in the stores. So what do you recommend for people that kind of feel like they're trapped in that way? Um, I think, you know, everybody should try to grow a little something. I think it's healthy because you know where your food came from. It helps you connect with your food, reconnect with your food, and understand, you know, how it's grown and where it comes from. I think it's really healthy for children to understand that as well. So school gardens are really important. Um, so to the extent that you can do that, you know, I highly recommend it. I have a little garden, which is very neglected these days. But there are some things that are easier to grow in certain areas and, um, you know, start off, you know, focusing on those and, Make sure you buy seeds that are from a company that has taken um, the safe seed pledge so that they're, you know, watching out for potential contamination, you know, from genetically engineered crops like squash is susceptible and corn is very susceptible and, you know, things of that nature. Um, but the other thing is, you know, perhaps like find a local um, community-supported agriculture initiative and, you know, buy a share of a CSA. There are lots more of those cropping up and, and look for farmer's markets where you can actually talk to the farmer and find out how they grow their food because there are a lot of small farmers that can't afford organic certification, but when you talk to them, they'll tell you they don't use chemicals. What, yeah, which is important. Now, what mm-hmm. is the organic certification? What do they have to go through to get that? Um, well, it is quite a lengthy process and you know there is a period of time where um, unfortunately you know as farmers are converting there's a premium that's attached to organic crops but they're not able to tap into that because they don't get certified during I think it's a three-year period where they have to transition you know to get whatever chemicals may be left in the soil um, to get them out so there are some state level subsidies that help with the um, certification fees um, but really there should be a lot more subsidies, you know, directed toward organic farming because, you know, this is where sustainable agriculture is and it's regenerative agriculture that we need to carry us, you know, forward and to fight climate change and keep us all healthy and keep the planet healthy. Well, and I th- there's that um, joke that organic food is what our grandparents called food. Yes. You know, <laughs> so when we look at the, the time frame that all this has changed, we really don't understand uh, what the impact to us, especially even on a generational basis, um, that this can have on us. So it is pretty scary to, to exactly hear all right. of this. That's my big worry is the children. You know, that's really yeah. why I am so entrenched in this because I just can't live with anybody putting children at risk and we have no idea what the multi-generational impact of these crops is going to be on these children. And we're seeing disturbing increases, you know, in their health problems. This is the first generation of children that are sicker than their parents. Um, yeah, and they're, you know, they're growing up in a in a generation when so many things that are so different and so dangerous, um, you know, where when I grew up and when my mom grew up, there was less of that and things were seemed a little safer. I think every generation says that, but, um, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that's the progression of what we're doing. We're going in the wrong di- um, direction. You know, it should be um, getting safer, not more dangerous. That's for, for sure. For our children. Um, so um, 
are there certain children diseases that are linked to this, like the ADHD? Um, you know, I know diabetes probably is, but you know, those learning disorders that are coming up a lot more. You know, I think there are a lot of toxins in the environment, and I don't think that genetically engineered foods are the only problem, but I think they are definitely a contributing factor to a lot of these health problems. Um, I've spoken to Michelle Perro. She's a pediatrician in California, and the things that she's seeing in these kids, she says she's seeing, like, at least one new case of celiac every week and eight-year-old boys with Hashimoto's, autoimmune hypothyroidism, you know, which I had never heard of autoimmune disease, you know, 10 years ago, and now 50 million Americans apparently have autoimmune disease, Um, you know, the whole digestive thing, you know, all the digestive problems, all the inflammation, um, IBS and colitis and, um, you know, whatnot, they're all on the rise. And, you know, glyphosate is definitely linked to that. And then the BT toxins um, in the soil, uh, in the corn and um, cotton. And now, as a matter of fact, they've approved uh, BT soy. So, you know, all of that, you know, is potentially inflammatory and these kids just don't stand a chance. That's pretty scary. Um, so is there anything, any you know, if people are listening and they're wanting to get involved, how can they do that? I mean, we talked about having their own garden or school garden, but is there more to bring awareness to this issue that people can get involved in? Um, we, you know, we do focus on education and our Facebook page has a huge reach. And so one of the things that, you know, you can do is you can tune into our Facebook page and we share news and information from around the world about GMOs and the related agrochemicals and, and studies as they come out. If there's a new study that's really important, um, we'll make sure that everyone's aware of it. So you can go there to find what's current and share that with friends to help educate. Um, I think that's, you know, important. Um, there are many people who have said, oh, poo-poo to that for a long while, and now they're looking around them and saying there's something going on here. So, you know, they may not agree the first time they hear it, but the more they hear, it's starting to make its way into, you know, a little bit more into mainstream media, I think, the better. Um, and then, um, you know, the other thing would be that we're always looking for volunteers. So if anyone's interested, they can email us at volunteer at gmofreeusa.org. Um, and what is it, what um, involves in a volunteer, especially if they're not in the same city as you? Um, well, one of the things that we're trying to do is start chapters at the local level, and we have educational materials, and our goal is to get some grant money um, and donations so that we can actually distribute those at no cost to the local chapters and provide information that they can share and educate people around them with. Um, so that would be, you know, one thing that they could do is pass out you know, brochures with GMO education, and um, there's some really good films out there that they could show, you know, to friends and locally, and we can help with that. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that definitely sounds like something to be, um, to get involved in and bring this awareness. I mean, if we don't have healthy food, no matter what direction you take trying to get your health in order, we're not going to get anywhere. I mean, this is our foundation of who we are. It's our gas, right? So, um, this is, this is a really important, um, issue. Um, now, is there, um, anything that you just want people to know, um, about this issue before we end the show? Um, I think, you know, also just to don't feel, um, you know, that your voice doesn't count, to be empowered and to speak up, to contact these companies that are making food and tell them why you're not buying their products, to contact your legislators and to let them know that you demand mandatory labeling because you need to know what you're eating. It's not even a matter of right to know. 
um, and make your voice heard because collectively, you know, we're much stronger. So speak yeah. up. And I, I think it's important you bring up that labeling because some, you know, the argument of GMOs are safe. And I, I think we just have a right to know. So if they're saying it's safe, there shouldn't be a problem with us knowing what's in our food and where it comes from. Exactly. So, yeah. So that labeling is important. Um, so is there um, a way that people can get a hold of you or your association if they have any further questions about this? Um, for sure, they could um, email us directly at info at gmofreeusa.org, and we would be happy, you know, to get back in touch and answer any questions that they may have um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, follow up and um, maybe even send them some information brochures. Okay, great. Yeah, so, um, you know, if they're not getting involved as a volunteer to get the brochures and to share those around and just to bring awareness to this issue, um, I think this is really important, um, you know, just with you having shared your story and, and um, you know, for, for you and me both with our genetic issues, um, this mm-hmm. is important for me to make sure I've been organic for a long time and, and it makes a huge difference on my health. And I recommend I well, anybody, yeah, yeah anybody who's having issues, especially those digestion, but anything else, you know, find that um, that balance if you can right now, you know, as our grocery prices are going up, um, you know, to try to figure out a way to at least change some of those really major ones, like we said, the corn and the soy and the sugar beets and the canola to try to at least avoid those um, and bring that awareness. So, and um, also to boycott Kellogg's. I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, I yeah. forgot to mention oh, that right. we've been doing a boycott of the Kellogg company for over three years now, and their sales have been down for eight out of nine quarters. Um, and the reason we're doing that is because we did some testing, and they are poisoning children. Um, there is Roundup and BT corn and Fruit Loops, and you know many of their other products as well. We found a very high level of Roundup, six times higher than what we found in Fruit Loops in a Kashi cereal. And they say Kashi is their healthy brand, and if you want to avoid GM by Kashi. Now, this particular cereal box was not verified by the non-GMO project, but I was still horrified to say that, you know, the Kashi had Roundup in it when it's supposed to be their, you know, healthy choice. And so we will boycott until they commit to removing GMOs from all their products and getting verified because they've proven not to be trustworthy. They've spent $5 million on anti-labeling lobby in two and a half years, and they won't give up, and so neither will we. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's important to know that. So um, if anybody has any questions about other companies to boycott, you can contact um, Deanna. We're talking to Diana Reeves um, from the, um, the association GMO Free USA. The website is gmofreeusa.com. So we were talking today about genetically engineered or modified foods and and how that can affect you and your health. Um, thank you for, for listening. This is an important show today. If you had any questions about the show, you can send an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. Um, you can message us on Facebook or Twitter, and we love to hear your comments. So, Diana, thank you for, sh- for joining me today. It's a great show. Thank you for having me on. Keep up the great work, Rebecca. You're awesome. All right. oh, thank you. So, I uh, just want everybody to make today a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.